0: Welcome to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy. Be sure to stay tuned to the end of the show to hear how you can get a copy of this program and other helpful documents. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business.
1: I'm Carrie McCoy, and it's time for me to get all up in your business. By that, I mean to say, share my business knowledge and wisdom with you, our listener. For the next hour, my guest, a fellow entrepreneur, will be discussing how we maneuvered the path of leadership and entrepreneurship, in pursuit of our dreams. Now you may be asking yourself, what qualifies this lady to do this? And the answer is easy experience. I started my company, Arkansas Flag and Banner, over 40 years ago. During the last four decades, Arkansas Flag and Banner has grown and morphed from door-to-door sales, to telemarketing, to mail order and catalog sales, and now relies heavily on the internet. Each change in sales strategy required a change in company thinking and procedures. My wisdom confidence and my company grew. My initial $400 investment now produces nearly $4 million in annual sales. In this next hour, you will hear a candid conversation between me and my guest about real-world experiences of determination and luck. Today's topics will be how to open your own gym, choose the best exercise for yourself, and relieve pain without surgery or pills. Starting and owning a business is like so many things. It takes persistence, perseverance, and patience. I worked part-time jobs for nine years before Arkansas Flag and Banner grew enough to support just me. It's now grown and expanded so much that to operate efficiently, we require, are you ready? A purchasing, manufacturing, graphic, shipping, technology, accounting, marketing, sales, and customer service department, plus a retail store. 25 people make their living from working at Arkansas Flag and Banner. My guest today is personal trainer Jean-Paul Francoeur, a.k.a. JP. He is one of the top fitness authorities in Arkansas and beyond. In 2008, JP sold his thriving high-end health club atop the TCBY Tower building in downtown Little Rock and recreated himself when he became the golf performance and functional training specialist at Elotion Golf Club. Today, he is a certified ARP wave therapist helping people from all walks of life with their injuries and chronic pain. He's been featured in Parade Magazine twice, as well as in USA Today. He is a freelance writer for health magazines and websites, having been published in both Men's Health and Best Life, just to name a few. He was a top fitness advisor to former Governor Mike Huckabee's well-publicized weight loss program stop digging your grave with a knife and fork and served as chairman of the Arkansas Governor's Council on Fitness for eight years. It is my pleasure to welcome to the table a man that has dedicated his life to helping others through physical fitness, my friend and once my personal trainer Jean-Paul Rancourt. Hello. You were a personal trainer before most people even knew what that job description was. I was
0: kind of an early adopter but first I just have to say 40 years? What were you, were you one when you started that business? Thank
1: you, JP. I'm serious. It's, like,
0: my gosh, you have not aged, you know?
1: Ah, it's from it personal must, you, trainers like you. It
0: must be. It must be, because I'm amazed. Thank you.
1: Can you tell us how you first began your career in the industry?
0: Well, I was actually 19 years old, and I was living in Massachusetts at the time, and I was taking a year off from college, because I, I was here at UALR, and my, my education was actually all in fine arts. I was a classical guitar major. But when I took a year off and I went up to Massachusetts and I, I got a job doing, of all things, I was a mechanic in a factory making plastic bottles and caps. At that time, I had uh, I'd been an athlete my whole life. You know, I was a wrestler and I ran track. I was a pole vaulter, you know. Um, From in, where?
1: Where, uh, where? Up East school?
0: Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. In high school. And so I'd been, you know, I'd just been in athletics my whole life. And so um, I got a little out of shape that first, you know, that first my freshman year. Uh, just, you know, I, I delivered pizza and I got a little doughy <laughs> and you know, so, so 19 years old, I'm, I decided, you know what, I'm going to do something about this. And so I went to a gym, I did not know anything about actually weight training and I started researching it and I, I found a program that I thought I would like, I, you know, I found a couple of people in the gym who looked like they knew what they were doing and, uh, got some help and started training and, and got just in ridiculous good shape. I mean, within two or three months, I was so lean. You know, I needed a Q-tip to clean out the grooves between my abs, you know, it was like, just transform myself. And it felt great and I was doing well with it, but I apparently got some attention. So this ophthalmologist who worked out at the gym was like, you know, how did you do that? And I was like, well, I did this, this and this. And he was like, well, can you help me? And so I got like some rudimentary certification at the time, you know, it's probably nothing accredited. I, I don't even remember what it was. But that was how I started my first personal training, and I was 19, and I was I was charging a whopping $15 an hour. Or so, and uh, you know, based on my actual knowledge and experience at the time, I can tell you I was highly overpaid. <laughs> 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 but I was passionate about it; it really came natural to me, and I, I didn't realize I was a patient teacher. But when it came to fitness, I was always very patient. I could watch somebody, and it was kind of a tacit understanding of you know movement. I could see that where they were. Loading and tell if they were doing it right or not, and so I started coaching, you know, people and started helping people. I ended up with like three clients, and was making pretty good money on the side doing it. And when I moved back to Arkansas, I was able to get my uh, scholarship back. And when I came back here, my first job was working at a Gold's Gym for David Basil, and that's how I met David. So he and I have known each other since like I guess it was 1987 or eight, and you know he had just opened up a couple of Golds in Little Rock, some partners. And he was he was a really great sort of mentor because you can't help but admire the guy. I mean, he's just he's just got such a great personality and he was he is just as genuine and sincere a guy as you could ever meet. And so he really like kind of took me under his wing because I guess he saw that I was passionate about it, you know, and he helped get me involved in Special Olympics. I started coaching Special Olympics athletes. A couple of my athletes made it to the international games, which apparently is a little more competitive to get into that than you would realize. And they actually did well. Like one of them got a, a second place and the other one got two third place medals. So they did really well.
1: You know, um, people don't realize how important it is when you're young to move around and do things mm-hmm. because you never know where it's going to lead. And,
0: and you know, even though I didn't keep that up, I have to say that was a very important early experience in my career. First of all, just giving something back, just being sort of community oriented. I wasn't getting paid to do that, but I loved it, and it was just building more experience for me. Loved that experience. Loved working at Golds. It was it was a tough place to sell memberships because they didn't have an air conditioner in the weight room. What? So, yeah. So summer times were a little bleak, but I think I showed early signs of sort of entrepreneurialism at the time because I was the only person who really took the place seriously. Like during my shift that weight room was impeccable. Everything was organized. I liked to present myself professionally and so It was just little things, but I just made sure that the place was presentable so that when I took people in and I started trying to help them, that they had a nice professional atmosphere. You can
1: almost pick out the entrepreneurs in your life if they're the person that picks up the piece of paper Mm -hmm. that's on the floor and puts it in the trash can that's right next to it. You're like, okay, that person's Mm -hmm. a self-starter. I Mm -hmm. notice that when I'm training my Mm -hmm. employees, the ones that walk past stuff all day long. I'm like, "Mm, yeah, it's not going to be the leader
0: job description and they don't do it. it Yeah.
1: But the ones that see the issue, like just a piece of trash buy the exactly. trash can and pick it up and put it in there. There's something in that personality trait that you had that I see in entrepreneurs
0: mm-hmm. all and the time. so so early on like, I really loved what I was doing and I was getting a lot of good experience. I was there for many years, I don't remember how long. I started getting more into I was researching all kinds of stuff. You know, after that Special Olympics experience I was researching people living with AIDS, and I had this theory. Was AIDS
1: already a, a, a thing?
0: Uh, well, back then it, you know, what it was. What year was it, that? This is like we're talking like 1988, 89. I read that AIDS was was an opportunistic infection, so that what you does know, that mean? Means that people were they were vulnerable to viruses and stuff like that. They can't like a normal virus. their, their immune system was compromised. I gotcha. So if I had this theory that if someone took excellent care of their health, you know, really watched what they ate and really took care of themselves, worked out, you know, obviously carefully, but it, but worked out and they could actually have a really healthy lifestyle and possibly extend their lives. Expectancy. Even if they had AIDS? Even if they had AIDS, yes. Right. And so I just, you know, I was, I mean, honestly, I still, to this day, I kind of wonder how I got into some of these, these situations because I, I did not know the first thing about it, but but, you know, me, I just I was half-cocked, and I just went out there to the Ryan White Center and you know, asked to speak to some of their nutritionists and doctors and made a presentation to them, and they liked it, and they, they said, well, hey, we'd like to purchase your services. And so they, they wanted me to train a group of people as kind of a controlled experiment, training some of these people who had uh, AIDS or uh, HIV. And I thought it was a wonderful opportunity, and uh, it was very lucrative. I mean, they were like paying me three grand a month, which at the some time people
1: was a lot wouldn't. Of money. E- some people wouldn't even want to be around AIDS people at those times back. Yeah, in those yeah. Days.
0: Well, and that's because they were not educated about it. And this—that's actually the this story kind of takes a turn in that direction. So I go to the manager and I explain, "Hey, I'm going to get a corporate membership for these guys. They're going to pay in advance for about 15 people to um, to have memberships here at the gym, and it was a good deal for the gym." And, you know, and they were going to bust them in literally from Pine Bluff from the Ryan White Center three days a week to work with me. They were all fine with it. They were all fine with it. And now my philosophy has always been just one of inclusion. Like, I don't care if you are you're crippled. You know, I had a guy in a wheelchair that I worked with. I don't care if you're, you know, if you're overweight. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, you know, the training at the time was very ego driven. It was a lot of bodybuilders and, uh, And so trainers were thinking at that time, you know, if if you weren't competing, you weren't legit. And this is, you know, late 80s. And I just thought that was laughable, you know, because the last thing I wanted to do was get in a banana hammock and cover myself in barbecue sauce and flex my muscles in front of a bunch of, you know, (laughs) fetishists. You know, I mean, really, it's just the most bizarre thing in the world to me. And I don't mean to make fun of bodybuilding. It's a, you know, I wouldn't call it a sport. It's more of a pageant. But that was the training industry at the time and that was the environment that i was i was in and i was trying to change it i was like you know i think that the way fitness really belongs to everyone everybody needs to to learn how to take care of themselves and be healthy so you know and i didn't care what your problem was or what you're com- and you know if you were a so overweight gold, yeah. person or or you know if you had a you know i so wanted everybody if to you be, had
1: AIDS, you didn't care so Gold's uh, yeah jam.
0: i bet you got some pushback from the people well this jam. was the Gold's on in southwest little rock and um and it, You know, it was a, the thing is the group was sort of odd, you know, I mean, we literally had like, okay, there was a a gay couple. uh, One of the guys had such severe neuropathy that he couldn't even take a full step you know, he had, he was so limited and I'll say within, within three months, he was able to do a full lunge. Just, From
1: your work yeah, mm-hmm, with him? Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, so I didn't rewarding. know what I was doing, but I was still getting results, you know, <laughs> but, um, but you know, I mean, a lot of it's just experimentation and stuff like that, trial and error. And, and, but I mean, you know, like we had a you know, I mean, there was it was an eclectic group of people to say the least, and I did not care. I welcomed it. I was like, "This is great. This is, you know, these people are come from all walks of life." There yep. was, and and uh, this
1: is life. This is life. There yeah. is life.
0: And and so I took them in. They all came in. They met me, and I worked them out. I, I, you know, I spent a little time kind of talking to them as a group about, you know, just lifestyle and and you know, really trying to educate them on how to. How to think about taking better care of themselves and, you know, not not in a preachy sort of, you know, make better choices kind of thing, but more in a let's just figure out how to, you know, take better care of your body, take care of your health. And so
1: so did they they stay long?
0: Well, it was a year contract. Oh, good. (laughs) I started getting blowback from the members. So people started to kind of complain. And I guess somebody found out or not that there was I I don't think we ever tried to keep conceal it. But, you know, it got out in the among the population that that the group that i was training was people living with aids and so the manager pulled me into the gym into the office one day and he said you know we're gonna fire you and i was like it's like why they just they didn't really have a reason he said they're a private gym they have the right to you know fire anybody they want they're gonna and they didn't but they were very careful not to say that they were gonna block them so i knew i knew what it was about immediately and i was like okay well i'll just then I'm, I'll be fired and I'll just buy a membership and I'll just continue to train these people. It's like, no, we have the right to bar you from buying a membership. It's a private gym. We, we can have the right to not, you know, sell you a membership. So basically they just, you know, this group that had paid all this money to the gym, was cut off cuz they weren't going to go there without me you know I was kind of I kind of protected them a little bit you know they were safe while well, I was there and
1: you were their personal trainer right
0: right and and plus yeah of course the main thing is they were there to train with me and right. and uh, so so they fired me from the gym and I just said you know what this is such bs and this is outright discrimination and I'm just going to go open my own place and, uh, and he, I just remember him saying, you just do that, <laughs> you know. And so I left. I went and got like, I would started kind of working around. I was working in several gyms. I think I was briefly at Powerhouse. I was at uh, the War Memorial. And, you know, d- you know, I just kind of hit hit a few different fitness centers. I ended up uh, um, working at the YMCA for a while downtown. While I'm doing all this, I had left the gym. Well, I was the only person who really worked on that place. And, you know, and I didn't snitch on anybody but there was a lot of you know backdoor contracts being you know cash exchange kind of stuff going on I mean the place was just destined to to fail you know oh yeah and it was owned by a doctor of all things and I actually called the doctor about the you know the fact that they were discriminating and I said I said, you know, you should be ashamed of yourself. Being a doctor, you should know better. This is not, you know, you're discriminating against people who really need this. And right. uh, and that's what's the whole purpose of having a health club. right? And he said, you know, I'm not used to having people, you know, talk to me like this. He was a real you know, jerk. Anyway, long story short, within a year, I think, maybe a little, little more than that, I was ready to open up my own club. And it, again, a lot of the stuff, the problems that I ran into is I'm so sort of passionate about what I do and I'm adamant about what I do that I, I kind of take over the room, you know, so I was kind of, I was sort of stepping on people's toes everywhere I went, you know, because I was, you know, I had a real clear vision of what I wanted to do, and, I, and it just, you know, it clashed with people, and so the, they had a couple of uh, fitness specialists at the Y who were fresh out of college, just had their little wellness degrees, and they were, they were you know, people were coming to me more and more for the uh, uh, training, and and for questions and I was teaching a class there. I started teaching a class on nutrition. I started teaching a, you know just a kind of a general fitness class, but the the trainers in there wanted me out because because they were you know they just I guess I was stepping to on their toes. Yeah, they were threatened. Yeah. And I was training a, a lawyer uh, who's actually a judge now. Do you know Barry Sims? He was a, a good good friend and he was a real motivation to me. And he was like, JP, I think it's time. You know, you know you've been you've been talking about this with me in the gym. He's like, I think it's time for you to you know open up your own place. And I was like, ah, scary, you know, and he's like, and he actually gave me a saying that I still use to this day. Um, he said, be bold and mighty forces will come to your aid. And I was like, I love that. So that was, my, that, that, that was again? my mantra. Say. Be bold and mighty forces will come to your aid. And oh, so I yeah. just threw myself into it headlong. I, I didn't care. I didn't know how to write a business plan. I went out and got, bought a book on writing a business plan, and I wrote a business plan. And uh, I started hitting banks and going everywhere I could. And you know, I mean, didn't get much. I, I my first gym was actually in the Lafayette building, and uh, so I convinced the YMCA to let me stay on until December, which gave me like three months to put my business together. And it was so I was really operating on a deadline. I couldn't afford to miss work. You know, I couldn't afford not to not have a place to train. So. I was, you know, I mean, literally Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, I was working until one in the morning, like pulling down walls and d- d- mudding sheetrock. For everything your new else. gym. For my new gym,
1: yeah. Let's take a break now. And when okay. we come back, I want to find out how you got the money for the gym and how you started on that. So when we come back, we're going to find out how he started the gym, how you could start a gym, what he thinks is the best form of exercise for you, because there's lots of options, and his new venture he's doing, which is the ARP Wave which relieves pain without surgery or pills. We all need that. When we were on the break, you said... I haven't even gotten to the good part of this story. Wait till you hear the karma.
0: So, so yeah, there's a, there's a little karmic, uh, there's a little karmic debt to this story uh, for the people for for gold gym. So I'm in the process of trying to find equipment, which is extremely expensive. I'm moving forward with this thing. I mean, I'm literally, I have no idea if I'm going to get some of these things I've signed. I signed a lease before I even secured money. I was committed. I thoroughly committed myself to this. So, in the process of trying to find equipment for the gym which i realized very quickly i probably wasn't going to be able to afford well it turns out that gold's gym went out of business unfortunately oh uh-uh, you got their equipment i got to go into him and i was like yes i would like that piece and that piece and that piece because i'm opening up did i mention i'm opening up my own gym oh. you know because he was like you just go do that well i did and i opened up a facility that since it was mine, I was completely in line with my philosophy. I had no one else to tell me, you know, that that I couldn't, you know, have people with, living with AIDS or I couldn't have somebody with some sort of disabilities or what I mean, I just it seems ridiculous to me that anybody would want to try to, to block access to those kinds of facilities to people, but that was that was what was going on. I bought out all their used equipment. I had a local body shop. I just took it all down there and I had them sand it and spray it. And, oh. you know, so because I, I wanted everything a certain color. And, and you know, I kind of had the sort of muted green colors mm. with the big mirrors and everything. I so, bought all that used equipment and it looked brand new. I mean, you remember my facility. It was, I it would, was slick. I mean, it, it looked like a, no like a $100,000 club. And everybody thought I just really, oh, wow, you've really done it. You really made it, man. I did all the work myself. So I had like, I think I had like $1,500 on a credit card and I was able to round up $16,000 and I, it was an SBA loan.
1: Were you I, still working your other job at the Y?
0: Sort of. Yeah. I was working up until like, you know, that last week. And, uh-huh. uh, uh, cause I, I had, you know, I had a small handful of clients
1: uh-huh. and I,
0: I had like four clients at the time and I was surviving off of that. But you know, for my gym to make it, I had to have 4.8 clients to break even. I was based on my business plan. Which isn't much, you know, and then I gave myself till the end of the year to have twelve clients. You know, and that's is me charging like I think at the time like thirty or thirty five bucks a session. It was really, you know, not that much money. But I was doubling what most trainers were charging at the time because I just, you know, I was trying to do something different. Well you and, had a note to pay and Yeah. And and so And but I don't I, think
1: there was very many trainers like you.
0: Definitely not at the time. I think there are more now. Oh, there's a lot um, now. But but at the time I was definitely the first, you know, personal training sort of studio to open up in Little Rock. And uh, you
1: opened up in the Lafayette building. Yeah,
0: Lafayette building. And that's
1: where I first met mm-hmm. you because I read about you in the Parade Magazine, right, right. which is a national publication. Yeah,
0: they did this thing on, on uh, entrepreneurs under 30.
1: And you were in there, and, and my neighbor came over and said, did you see this guy that's here in Little Rock that they did an article about in Parade Magazine, this national publication? She said, let's go down and – see if we might want to start training oh I remember yeah yeah and she quit she didn't come very many times but no, I no. started coming and I got yeah, my husband you, to yeah, start coming
0: yeah, well and that yeah that was that was uh, um, so you know and I trained you and Grady for I don't know how many years so. years yeah so but, but we moved with you to the yeah, to my up, of, yeah, yeah, all the way up to the when I was in the Metropolitan Tower or the TCBY Tower. Which
1: know. I have to say, I thought was a bad idea when you were doing it. You know, because there was no parking. And there, I thought, yeah,
0: that was that was a. Tough, so it was let's a just tough tell spot.
1: the listeners that you were down at the Lafayette Building where you'd started your gym. I didn't mm-hmm. realize your gym was so new when I started coming there. I thought you were an mm-hmm. old pro. No, And then, no. and then, I was good at looking that way. <laughs> you were. I, you convinced me, and then uh, in this interview, I'm finding out more than I even realized, and then. Mm-hmm. After about a year, I think, you got a chance to move up to the...
0: The lobby area. Yeah, made, moved up into the main lobby.
1: And after that, you moved up to the...
0: Metropolitan Tower. Or I T-B- thought it was TCBY. Well, Tower. it was TCBY, I think, at the time. But but it turned into the Metropolitan Tower And what a year. floor were you on? 29th floor.
1: See, I thought that would be too hard for a personal trainer. But it turned out to be really, really good. It was nice.
0: It was pretty. So um, talk
1: about how that move happened, that you went from well, it there was, all it was, the way. Um,
0: it was more than a year. Uh, I was actually... I opened my, my club in... Uh, 1992 down in the Lafayette building. And I was there until 2000. And then I moved to the Metropolitan Tower in 2000. And uh, then I was there for, you know, eight years before I sold it. And, you know, I mean, honestly, (laughs) you were talking about, you know, advising people on how to open up their own gym. I don't know that I would ever advise anybody to do that. It's, Uh it's a tough business, you know? I mean, you you know, unless you are just like, I can't do anything else. I'm just wired to do this. I've been self-employed since I was 19 And, you know, I've taken little part time jobs here and there, but I mean, I've always sort of worked, if not for myself, then at least, you know, in the same spirit of working for myself, you know, I mean, anytime I'm working somewhere, I put myself fully into it. Reputation is everything and uh, it
1: certainly uh, is please say that again
0: reputation is everything it
1: is everything and it takes
0: it takes 20 years to build a good reputation and 10 minutes to ruin it (laughs) It,
1: you are so so right on
0: so so i i was very adamant about following i had very strict sort of protocols for myself or principles that i followed you know ethical standards that i followed but you know i mean when it comes to opening a gym you, you had, know they're not very profitable. Are um, they
1: not? You had and, trainers there. How I did, did you pay trainers there?
0: Well, I mean, I I grew. Okay, so I remember that first year I said I needed twelve by the end of the year to be making like I don't know. I you think it was twelve like, clients? Yeah, I needed twelve clients to be making like you know sixty something thousand dollars a year. Okay. I I was past twelve like within the first three weeks, and then Arkansas Times did a big story on me, and I had. 30 something clients before I knew it, I had to hire trainers. You know, I, I was like, I can't do all this by myself. So that's what, so I started hiring more and more trainers. Uh, had a really good crew that stuck with me for a long time when I was in the Lafayette building. Then I'm, you know, I just kept kind of growing. And some of it was, you know, the, the Thomas Plummer is a guy in my industry. Uh, he, he said something that stuck with me in one of his seminars. He said, if your business, and this can apply to any business, but if, you know, he said it, cause he said, if your gym is not growing, it's dying. And I was like, you know, you can just say that pretty much about business. If your business is not growing, it's dying. And so, you know, but I just wanted to do what I love to do, which is to help people individually. I like working one-on-one or with groups. You're Uh, service-oriented. And I love to take care of people and I love to help them. And I ended up creating a job and I ended up being more of a manager and I hated that and I was miserable. So about the first, you know, first six something years, I was loving it. I had, I had a blast and I, I, you know, it was, it was great. I made great money. And then I started getting kind of burned out. I started doing more management type stuff. I was hiring more trainers. I was spending more time sort of taking care of employees and not, you know. So by the time I got to the Metropolitan Tower, I was like, I was going full on like actual business. Like I actually had a sales staff. I had, you know, front desk staff. I had, uh, you know, I had trainers. I had you know, uh, group fitness instructors. And, you know, I mean, I had like... Nutritionalist. I, I had you had a nutritionist. 20, I had 20 employees at, at one time.
1: No, you did not. Yes, I
0: did. I, I mean, it was just, we, we were, you know, I'd gotten pretty big. But the uh, irony is, you know, the amount of... I wasn't making that much more money. My break even just was ridiculous. My rent was high. You know, I had a you know, insurance. I mean, all the different things, you know, taxes were just killing me. And I was like, you know, it's just, it's expensive to run one of those places, you know, you just and everything just chips away. Everybody wants to take their little tiny piece of your business away. And so by the time it was all done, I was like, I wasn't getting out of it what I was putting in energy wise. I wasn't, I didn't feel rewarded and refreshed and replenished. And so, and then in 2008, I I went through a divorce, unfortunately. And, and it was just kind of like that, it was like that final straw. I just did not have the widgets at that point to continue. I was like, I got to get out of this thing. So, you know, I just wanted to do something different. And I I really thought I was going to get out of fitness. Um, I was just going to leave the industry. And for about six months, maybe I was a spine rep. I actually sold implants to, you know, like to surgeons. I was like watching people get spine surgeries, which was actually a really great experience. I loved it. I loved being in the OR and I loved watching surgeries and, and it was like a good experience for me to kind of learn of, you know, a why I would never want to go into the knife, but B, you know, yeah. it's like the, 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 people who were having the injuries aren't, you know, like these young athletic people. It was, you know, it was people who just never took good care of themselves. The why way. do
1: you never want to go into the knife, man?
0: The, it, it's invasive surgery. You know, watching those, you know, spinal fusions and stuff. I mean, they pull apart the spinous process. They take it all. You know, they pull cut away the foramen. They take these things called a cob and they cob the muscles away from the bone and then they, you know, they go in there and clear out all the disc space and then they put in the the disc, you know, the, the, the cadaver bone or whatever, and the disc and the bone glue. And I, and I was, even, I remember asking one of the doctors, I'm like, um, does that muscle ever reattach to the bone? He said, right. and he said, no, but they don't really need it. And I'm like, what? Oh. and he's like, and he said, well, you know, the, the only reason they'd need that is to stabilize that joint and to, and they don't need, since their bone is going to be fused, they don't need the muscle to stabilize it. And I was like. You know, I was like, "Oh my God. So, you know, as a trainer, the trainer of me was freaking out. And, uh, you know, I, I was I was just I, I thought that was horrible.
1: They need that muscle.
0: yeah, you need that muscle. And, and I don't uh, care
1: what you say. you need that muscle. Well, and if so, you can, if,
0: yeah. but I mean, you know, also these people weren't exactly, you know, they they were the people who were getting injured were generally very sedentary and they were, you know, overweight and they were. You know, a lot of them were drinkers. Their bone quality was really bad. They didn't, you know, they had a, you know, they might have osteoporosis. I mean, these people, some of these guys, I remember this guy that we were watching his surgery, he had a, like his bone just broke away like powder. It was like, you know, just, you know, he's a bad alcoholic. And I was like, so, so, I mean, these are the kind of, these are the people that typically are needing to go in and get back surgery. So it's not like, you know, these guys were exactly, you know, healthy, fit, active people. And so they're not really returning to a healthy, fit, active lifestyle. But I just, you know,
1: I want to know, you said you didn't really want to go back into the gym business. And I think you ended up doing what so many people do is they love what they're doing, Mm -hmm. like working people out or making pies or
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. whatever the part of the business they love that they're Mm -hmm. good at. And then they start to grow and they don't get to do that anymore because they end up in the back office. Like all I do is human. All I do now is human resources. I hire, train and fire people. That's really all I do. That's
0: what I ended up doing. And I was I was not happy.
1: And I'm a teacher. Not really. Too. But I am a I, teacher. No, and that's why a... I started this radio show. So uh-huh. I could get that fulfillment in me of painful I, 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 I forward.
0: totally get it. I totally get it. So what ended up happening though is I, you know, I quickly figured out that, that okay, there were fifty two doctors at the time who, who used those, you know, those uh, implements, you know, used the surgical implements and the inserts that you know, the implants that we sold there were about 90 something reps and there were about 10 in the state who were making all the money. <laughs> so, so, I mean, it was great, great money. If you could even get like a case or two a day or three, four cases a week, you were making money. But it was really hard to get those cause the, you know, the gatekeepers were very difficult to get past. So I kept getting people, you know, asking me to come back to training and I was like, no, no, I really, I'm, I'm, I'm out of that. And I had one particular client that, you know, a friend or whatever that somebody wanted me to train them. Just kept saying, "JP, train me, please." And I'm like, you know, I was, at the time I left, I was think I was charging like 65 bucks a session. You know, I think the average in LaRoc was around 50 bucks. And he said, "What would it take for you to train me?" Wow! And I literally, I just, I just
1: one million dollars.
0: No, I, I, I was realistic. I'm like, I really thought about it. What would it take for me to to be energized for the amount of energy and intensity and everything that I put into a client? What would give me enough return to make me feel like I'm getting something out of it to be able to want to come back to this and to bring back that passion that I had for me to be, you know, to, to really do a great job and show up and be present and really work them and not just phone it in, you know, be right. burned out. And I said, $150 a session. And I just, I th- figured it was just ridiculous. I just tripled the usual rate. Yeah. And I was like, $150 a session. He said, done. I was like, really? He said, yeah. I said, okay. Well, um, within i don't know like a couple of months i had a full clientele at that rate and i was like it just kind of it just sort of happened like weird it was just really weird so but i wasn't training people in a gym i had a bunch of equipment that i just like you can go to the back of my car right now i still have it i got bands and sandbags and kettlebells and all that stuff and I was, you know, and some of my clients have nice home gyms, but I, I literally was just going from client to client to their homes and training them. And, with,
1: ru- with, the, with the more stretchy rubber bands and stuff The, pops, the jump
0: stretch, you know, the, yeah. the resistance mm-hmm. training bands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I like those. Uh, yeah, they're pretty good. And, uh, you know, I had them at the gym, I yeah. guess, because I used to, I remember I used to torture you and Grady with those things. Yeah, a little bit. And, uh, you know, so, so I, I just I just train people in their homes.
1: Let's take another quick break. We've probably got time for one more. Uh, when we're coming back. We're going to learn about, we may not get a chance to talk to JP about what his favorite form of exercise is because that could be a whole nother show. <laughs> but we do need to talk about his ARP wave and how he's relieving pain without surgery and pills. Okay, we're back. We don't have long. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Kerry McCoy. I'm speaking today with Jean-Paul Francoeur, a personal trainer, an ARP wave therapist, and a founder of JP Fitness. I was going to talk to him about the different kinds, this CrossFit craze and rogue books and yoga and Pilates and payo and Zumba and bar and swimming. And my favorite new guy, You're gonna. I wonder if you know this guy, Mark Ripito Program. Oh, yeah. The no, starting don't know strength. him well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's like, I've, I used a lot of those principles in my in my training.
1: Well, my daughter went down and trained with him in Dallas. No kidding. Her husband gave her a weekend with him in Dallas, yeah, Texas for Christmas. Guy.
0: Amazing, amazing trainer. One of the people I truly respect in the industry.
1: Well, listen, it, I didn't think at my age, which is 60 years old, that you would be able to build muscle at my age. I thought everything at my age would be just about holding on to what you've got. But when she got back from his training camp and she mm-hmm. started training me, She's putting muscle on me and she's repairing things that, you know, I thought maybe
0: just had to live with
1: plantar fasciitis. You just got to live with it. Carpal tunnel from the computers. You just got to live with it. Mm -hmm. Not if you start doing this, he believes in very few repetitions Mm -hmm. like five Mm -hmm. with maximum weight. Mm-hmm. which is kind of different from a lot of trainers for older people. They think you should do 15 reps oh, of lightweight no, 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 no. and it just people, wears out your joints.
0: Well, worse than that. I mean, you know, like I remember the big trend when I was, you know, training was, you know, if you're training someone who's older, you know, the senior citizen places, they, they all do this. They, they call it super slow training. They try to make people do these like 15 second reps and there were 10 second reps, you know, they're, trying to make them go real slow and they, and and also just to make sure that they don't do anything any damage you know they don't hurt them they they make sure they're sitting on these machines where they're all strapped in you know god forbid they actually you know, you recruit a, uh, a stabilizing muscle, you know, so, yeah, right. you know, so, so you know, that's one of the things I like about when you're lifting heavy weights, you have to recruit a lot of stabilizing muscles. And so you, you know, that's the thing is injury. Anytime you have pain, you have weakness somewhere. You have some muscle that is not doing its job and it's creating, you know, compensations that cause pain so
1: and he puts uh, a lot of physics behind his uh, yeah, lifting he, where you put your eyes where you put your hands mm-hmm, where you mm-hmm, how your wrist is bent where your mm-hmm, knees go where absolutely. your feet go i mean because he's not gonna he wants you to lift his maximum amount of weight but he, he wants you to do it perfectly
0: you may not have realized i was using some of those concepts no, when i was training was you, but that was ago. but that was you know he was one of my uh, yeah he was somebody i really admired and used his training stuff
1: and the other thing that i just learned even though i've worked out with you 20 years ago and all that but i just never put it all together but when you stress a muscle like that mm-hmm. you build cartilage and then a lot of problems with people's backs spines mm-hmm. their wrists their feet their knees is their loss of cartilage
0: well it, again it all really comes back to uh, lack of strength if muscle pulls uh, against your mu- cartilage yeah, and builds it, right, your cartilage right. i, mean, I didn't you know have, you could build you have cartilage. osteoporosis you know your bone density your cartilage tissue all that stuff all your connective tissue is it requires tension on the bone to to be healthy you know your muscle your bones require a little bit of tension to be I don't healthy. think
1: people realize you can grow your cartilage back yeah. I didn't know that Well
0: I mean I don't know about grow it, but how it, do it depends you say it? Yeah well I mean I'm it just depends like if you have something torn you know you may not necessarily grow it back but here's the thing you also may not necessarily need that if your muscles know how to fire correctly and in the right sequence um you know you actually you know they're just hinges you really actually don't necessarily need them I've rehabbed people who've had a, you know, total tear of the meniscus, uh, you know, I mean, total, like it's, it's gone and they're able to golf, play tennis, hunt, you know, everything.
1: Yeah. You were training people at a lotion golf club.
0: Officially, I guess I was the golf performance and functional training specialist, which means basically that I was, you know, doing a lot of, you know, warming up of golfers, but it was, it was a neat experience. I really loved it there. I loved I the people, loved, you know, I loved the experience. Uh, it was a great course. <laughs> it was a beautiful place. And, yeah, uh, but um,
1: we've got 10 minutes left, okay. and I know you want to talk about your new passion. Yes. ARP Wave is your new okay. passion. Yeah. What is that?
0: Well, we call it ARP Wave. Well, ARP stands for uh, Accelerated Recovery Performance. In a, in a nutshell, it is a system where I use a, a particular type of electrical current, uh, but it's not like a stem that you would see like in a you know, physical therapy or you know chiropractor's office. It's the, it uses a specific type of electrical current, uses direct current which is uh, similar to the way our own nervous system works. And I can use this to identify the, the neurological origins of pain. So, for example, your back hurts. You go to the doctor. The doctor treats your back. They treat the structure that's causing the, where you feel like you've got pain. But that's not what's causing the pain. That's where the pain ended up. So, so they go and inject you. They send you to physical therapy and you do all this stuff. And your back might start feeling a little bit better. But, you know, the problem keeps kind of creeping back. I use an analogy. I call that starting at the third domino. You know, you're training, you're trying to fix someone's back, but you're not looking back far enough. And with what I do, I can identify where it started. So basically their problem might've started from a pebble in your shoe and you know, it makes you walk differently. And as you're walking differently, you use your hips incorrectly and then your hips, being done using your hips incorrectly, you load your spine the wrong way and eventually end up with lower back pain. Well, you know, they're treating you for the back pain. And the reason it's not going to ever go away and stay gone is because you got to go back and pull that pebble out of the shoe. you got to go back to the first domino and figure out what started it all. And so what we do is we go to what started the problem, where that initial like, neurological disconnect took place. And so we turn those muscles back on.
1: And you find it with this machine?
0: Well, it's, it's, a, uh, it's, I, it's a process that I, I call we, we affectionately refer to as search and destroy. So (laughs) we say it's it's sort of an intimidating title. I almost don't know if I like telling people I I almost feel like I should make up another name, you know, Mm -hmm. but just so I don't scare off people. But but, you know, I mean, it really is kind of a good, good description. I like
1: the domino theory. You go back to the beginning. Yeah,
0: we go back to what caused it.
1: It's hard to identify what it is. No,
0: no, it's actually quite easy. So I've got a couple of pads and I'm searching. I'm using one as a ground. And I'm searching with the other pad. What, it's an electrode. It's an, an electrode. Oh, okay. So I'm basically lawnmower searching your body. I've got a current going through you. It's, I've got a pretty high load going into you. But if your muscle tissue is healthy, it just you just feel kind of a tingling. But what it's doing, in essence, is eliciting a load to the brain. So it's just sending a signal to the brain that makes your brain think it's loading it. Now, if, it's, if your tissue is healthy, it just kind of tingles. Your brain says, oh, I'm okay with that. But if I get onto an area where, where – if I, if I move into a spot where, where your body just really reacts and you're trying to pull away from it, that tells me your brain is trying to protect you. It's going immediately into sort of a defensive mode, and it basically magnifies your, your compensation patterns. So, like, your back is hurting you, and I'm searching you, and I find that you've got – you just react – you jump off the table when I'm searching your ankles. Well, you know, your problem wasn't necessarily starting in your back. I'll search the back, and most of the time – in fact, never – have I found, you know, the origin of the problem to be where they feel the pain. So they're, like, wanting me to treat where they feel the pain. But the crazy thing is 98% of the time in the first session uh, that I do with someone, I can eliminate, you know, great deal. It can just knock their pain in half, you know. So it, and in some cases, Okay, so more you've than identified
1: that. the pain. Now how do you eliminate it?
0: Okay, so once we identify it, I know where to treat And so I basically set them up, you know, with the pads in the correct places. I I use the second pad to find out what spot is, quote unquote, talking to the first spot. You know, what spot is was shut down as a result of that original neurological disconnect. And when I find those spots, I coach you through a very basic sort of foundation exercise type thing. Like if it's your back, I might have you do a, a sit and stand in a chair and I'm going to teach you and coach you how to properly sit in a chair and stand back up. And you know, you think it's simple, but people just don't realize that most people lower themselves using their quads. And so I teach them how to properly sit by pulling themselves into position, by using their hamstrings and their glutes, and then how to stand up very quickly and stand up without leaning forward and without rocking and without doing all the different things that we do. Now, here's the cool thing. Like your back is killing you and when I've got this on the correct hotspots, uh that I go back to a really light load. So the output is basically like the load. I'm sending a signal, uh, sort of a motor learning signal, faster than the brain can send it. So I can accelerate the motor learning process. I'm sending it two hundred and fifty times faster than the brain can do it. And it's the correct signal. And then while I coach you through correct movements, I'm reinforcing those proper postures and I'm turning the right muscles back on. And literally like the very first time you go through this, your pain starts to disappear, and is it because you
1: know the physics of how a body works is how you can correct it? Well, beforehand. I mean,
0: it's still taking a lot of training. I've been doing this for six years, and I, I'm learning something new every day. And I still get, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a puzzle solver, so I still have challenging cases, and I've I've had some that they're very slow to resolve, but most of the time it's you know they're pretty pretty standard. You know, somebody comes into me, they're a golfer, they have you know uh, medial epicondylitis or or something like that um,
1: well everybody has plantar fasciitis how about that one
0: yeah that's, that's an easy fix i mean uh actually don't do the first four sessions on that i, I do a, what's called a foot bath basically i have you stand on a lead it's uh yeah. in a bucket of warm water it's kind of like you know right out of lethal weapon you know the, the
1: uh, rusty mattress and
0: the car batteries you know <laughs> you know but it's you know it's I'm just kidding
1: <laughs> but you know yeah, that's I mean, scary
0: yeah yeah but the thing is you know this signal sort of it promotes healing it drives a lot of blood supply into the area it starts to turn an area back on so like when you have an area that is it hasn't been getting adequate blood supply and nerve signal for a long time and it, it, because it's just shut down so the compensation pattern is what's caused the pain yeah. I'm able to get you moving correctly and so not only when you get fixed not only are you out of pain but you actually feel this you're bursting it's, with energy because your body suddenly
1: so you don't just teach people how to stand up correctly you also do something that actually repairs it yes using, yes using it's actually your,
0: repairing they're I'm, it, they're basically the body's really intelligent knows how to f- fix itself and you can repair it with these electric waves i'm facilitating the, the, the body's body to ability to it. heal itself yeah that
1: is so cool any words of advice on how do people get in touch with you
0: my business number which just happens to be my cell phone. <laughs> Text <laughs> me. Text I've, me. Texting know. is actually the best method because I, I get a lot of calls, you know, yeah. spam calls and if I don't recognize the number I generally don't answer it. So texting uh, 501-952-5735 Say it or again. 501 952 5735 yeah. and my email is jp at jpfitness.com
1: same as it's always been yeah same for as for 35 been. years and we'll put all his links and stuff up
0: there i'm not that old hey
1: <laughs> i think it's been about that long uh, okay baby look i know you're a health nut but for birthing all the different businesses you birth you get a cigar that came from the humidor room at the colonial wine and spirits on markham street in little rock arkansas you probably won't smoke it but you might give it to some re it you'll re-gift it who's our guest next week tim Next week, it's going to be Larry Graham from Graham & Associates. Oh, he was the secretary treasurer on the Dreamland Ballroom's board, and he's the nephew of Edwin Brewer, the grandson of Adrian Brewer, and they made a lovely art donation that we're going to be displaying May the 4th, and he is going to come and talk about his family legacy. Three generations of Arkansas artists, famous Arkansas artists. Thank you, JP, very much.
0: You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. You're welcome.
1: If you have a great entrepreneurial story you would like to share, I would love to hear from you. Send a brief bio and your contact info to questions at upyourbusiness.org and someone will be in touch. And finally, to our listeners, thank you for spending time with me. If you think this program has been about you, you're right, but it's also about me. Thank you for letting (laughs) me fulfill my destiny. My hope today is that you've heard, or learn something that's been inspiring or enlightening and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy and I'll see you next Friday. Until then, be brave and keep it up.
0: You've been listening to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy. Want to hear today's program again or want someone else to benefit from it? Jot this down. Next week a podcast will be available at flagandbanner.com. Click the tab labeled Radio Show. There you'll find today's segment with links to resources you heard discussed on this program. Carrie's goal? To help you live the American dream.